Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Uh, welcome to Spiro Avenue. This is going to be an interesting show in that it's going to be solo. I'm looking forward to it. I think, I don't really know what's going on with the Pistons, I got to be honest. I have been an unabashed, really an unquestioning supporter of Troy Weaver thus far. I have not really wavered in the face of a lot of deviation from that principle, in the face of a lot of criticism for that position. I have maintained that I think Troy Weaver is the obvious right guy for the job, and I've checked really all the boxes that I want to see in a guy from Troy Weaver in those first couple years. So I, I, I want to preface tonight and this opinion with this as much as I've supported Troy Weaver and as much as I'm going to ask some questions right now I do want to clarify one thing and let's get this very clear Troy Weaver and this whole Pistons thing and the fan base here that is along for this ride was fucked the night of the lottery and that was going to be the case from the moment it happened all the way up till now, that is something that the Pistons are probably in all likelihood going to feel the ripples of for decades. In that I think, take Victor out of it. I think Scoot Henderson, who now we know you wouldn't have even needed to get up to number two to get. You could have gotten him at three. Scoot Henderson is going to be an all NBA player, a top 15 guy probably within three years, I'm guessing. So it's not just that we're not going to have those guys now or next year. It, that echoes into eternity. We still talk about good players that we had 20, 30 years ago. So this whole thing was fucked from Jump Street in terms of where it could have gone, where I would argue it should have gone. And I'm not going to talk about the CBA and the NBA's lottery system and how ridiculous and upside down it is, the Pistons were screwed then. So it didn't matter what Troy Weaver did tonight. He was put so far behind the eight ball where he had the objective eyeball test worst team in the league, literal record worst team in the league, worst point differential in the league. You can't find a metric that doesn't say they were the worst team in the league. He did everything he needed to do to get into that top position. Victor would have been nice, but anywhere in those top three picks, he maxed out their odds. And the stupid CBA has the worst possible outcome at five, and that's exactly what happened. So anything you say about Troy Weaver has to acknowledge that the smart thing to do, even before Cade Cunningham went down, but especially after, the smart thing to do is exactly what they did. Troy Weaver's job last year was to max out the Pistons' opportunity to land one of those top guys. Preferably Victor, any of the top three would have done. He did that. So you, you have to bring that to the table when you're making any type of analysis at all because if the Pistons, I mean, it's oh, if only we had won the lottery. A lot of teams could say that. If they had just been anything less than screwed 
anything less than completely hosed, we would be in a much better position right now. Imagine how you feel if Victor's here. Imagine how you feel if Scoot Henderson is here. There's a couple Miller people out there. I don't think he's a bad player. I, I just have him third. Imagine how you'd feel with Miller. So I'm not going to hammer Troy Weaver for doing what, in my opinion, was the objective right thing to do, tank, especially when Cade went down. It would have been absurd not to tank. I'm, I'm not going to hammer him because the lottery went as bad as it could possibly go. So wherever we go with this, you have to get that out of the way. With that said, and with that acknowledged, and with that defensive Troy Weaver in and out of the way, uh, I don't know what they're doing. And I, I think it's safe to ask questions. So I'm getting this pushback already on my initial kind of what are we doing thought process here. And I'm not ripping the pick. But Detroit sports have given me about 50 draft picks that I have been befuddled by, distraught over. I, I'll tell you if that's where I land. I'm not there. I, I keep getting messages like, who did you want him to take? I don't know. I mean, I, it's tough to say because you don't know what the trade market is. My preferred route was trading it. But, you know, oh, he should have traded it. I don't know what offers they got. So it's kind of like it's unfair to even ask me, and it's unfair for me to speculate on what a trade would have gotten. So my preferred route wasn't taken. And, you know, I think Asar Thompson has a chance to be really good. But you have to ask yourself, what's the direction of the team? Because Troy Weaver, the criticism of him from everyone I hear for the most part is, other than there's 100 centers, the criticism of Troy Weaver is it's just kind of a collection of pieces. You have a flyer that you took on this guy in Bagley, Wiseman. It's a you know, rookie here, rookie there a sort of fringe NBA rotational guy with Isaiah Stewart, you know, Sadiq Bey, who has since been traded. It's just like a bunch of kind of flyers on guys and franchise players that don't eat meat and have missed most of their games. And it's like, what is the cohesive plan here? It looks like a collection of seven or eight guys that would be really good individual pieces if I could like kind of parse them out and be like, oh, yeah, Isaiah Stewart, the Jazz could use him. Okay. And yeah. Okay. Duran. Yeah. The, the Heat could have used a backup for Bam. Okay. Put him over here. Like, I like a lot of these guys in a vacuum, but this is not a vacuum. This is not baseball where it's like, just give me the best hitter. And I don't need him to have good chemistry with the guy batting in back of him or in front of him. Just stand there and hit the ball. This is the NBA. This is quite, this is the most sort of symphonic of the sports, I would argue. The most were, you know, I don't care how good the Suns looked for 15 seconds. They didn't have that many games together. And when the chips were down, they looked kind of shitty. You got to have games together. And in that context, in the, the ultimate symphonic, harmonic, symbiotic sport, I don't see where this goes. Because you have to look at what this heralded young core, heralded in some circles, not so much abroad from Detroit, but in-house internally with the Pistons fan base, of which I'm a member, the core four has to be looked at more carefully now because the core four just got the fourth beetle tonight in Asar Thompson. And when I look at it, I got to ask questions. Here's your core four. Cade Cunningham, a 30.9% three-point shooter who's missed 55% of his games. 
Jaden Ivey, 34% from three his rookie year, 32% in his two-year college career. They just drafted Asar Thompson, who shot below 30%, 29.8% in the overtime elite league, which is not known for elite defense overtime or regular time. And Jalen Duran, I would argue, is a legitimate, even if distant fourth member of the core four, has never even attempted a three in college or the NBA, and really doesn't even have a mid-range game to speak of. I mean, it's all around the rim. So I like all four guys. I think all four guys could be pretty damn good NBA players, especially if Cade Cunningham mixes in a filet. But what's the, what's the dance? What's, what's the opera? Because those are your four. I don't think anybody would argue. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm absurd. I don't think anyone would, would argue that those four aren't the four. And even if you're a big Bagley or Wiseman stan, those two don't qualify either. It's the same problem. Those guys don't, don't shoot either. So the, I think, objective core four, there's not a single, even average NBA shooter among them. Not, one, not, not even one average one. If they had three average ones and a pretty good one, that's still kind of bad if you look at where the league's at right now. So it's not ripping on, uh, who did you want instead of Azar? I think he's going to be pretty good. I'm fine with that. I don't know how you think that. I mean, it's like I've watched a lot of these guys play, including Victor, by the way, and Scoot, which I went out of my way. But how many people have really watched the Thompson brothers? But whatever, let's say, let's say he is good. I trust what some people are saying. He looks like he's going to be a freakish athlete. He's going to block some shots. He's going to be an asset. I'm not saying the guy sucks, but what is Troy Weaver doing? What's, what's the plan here? I mean, this, this thing, I, what is the strategic balance? I don't know. Like Monty Williams is a pretty, pretty good coach by all accounts, but I don't know. You can't, you can't tell him like, Hey, make more shots. I mean, if you, if you don't make the shot, you don't make the shot. And I understand that Jaden Ivey could become a much better three-point shooter. I understand that Kate Cunningham could become a much better three-point shooter. Thompson could improve. He jumped up a little bit at the end with his overtime elite team. I'm not going to even pretend that I think Duran ever becomes a three-point shooter, but maybe he develops a 15-footer that's reliable. I'm, I'm not saying... All three of those guys, the top three of the core four, are never going to be good shooters, never even going to be ever. I'm not saying that, but, like, that's not a plan. <laughs> you, like, you can't build your core, your top four guys, and not a one of them has even demonstrated an ability to be an average shooter at this level from the perimeter. This would be problematic in 2004. It's catastrophic. In 2023. And look, you can say, oh, you you know, you got guys like Bogdanovich, who, yeah, hell of a three-point shooter. I would argue if none of your best four guys, I would argue even if your best two guys can't shoot, but especially if your top four guys, your your top four core guys that are going to play the most minutes and that you're really building around, if you don't give me one even average shooter among them, you're dead, and I don't care what you put around them. You got to give me something. I, 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 this is not, it's not going to work like this, and it doesn't mean there can't be another shoe to drop. It doesn't mean this is where it all lands. And, you know, Troy Weaver could tomorrow package a couple guys and ship Ivy out of here and replace them. It's, again, I like these guys in a vacuum, but what, what's the team? And, I mean, if you're trying to build a champion, if you're, 
not going to be like the Detroit fans that are, you know, the Tiger fans that are like three games out of first place in the worst division in the history of baseball. And they consider that some great song and dance. Like if you want to like win championships, it's a, it's a copycat league, just like the NFL, just like pro sports leagues in general. Like look at what just won aside from granted Nikola Jokic is the best player on the planet. And he's the reason he didn't win three MVPs in a row. Cause he didn't care. And he sat out and barely played that barely tried at the end. But like, that's, that's a given. Look at what that team had this year. Jokic, Michael Porter, Jamal Murray, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. All four of those guys were obviously playing huge minutes. You're talking, you're talking about the starting lineup, basically. All of them shot well above, well above league average from three. All of them objective, good to great NBA three-point shooters. Demonstrably, objectively by the metrics. Extend it beyond them. Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, about average. They were okay. Those two guys shot better than anybody in your core four ever has. So I got to tell you, the team that just won the title, their sixth, sixth best three-point shooter is better than your best guy in your core four. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I'm comparing you to the champions. That's pretty lofty. But okay, can we get like two out of the six? Can we get like can we get like one third of the way there, or eighteen percent? Can we get one? So I I understand. Oh, I'm, I'm it's the extreme example, but like it's six to nothing. We could take their sixth guy. He'd be he'd be our best guy if he were a member of our our core. I mean, you can all I'm not, like Bogdanovich. You can sign that guy any day of the week. You're paying him $19 million. It's not like he's on some bargain contract. Like, you can get a no defense, no rebound gunner for $19 million, 19 and a half, I think, in your sleep. I mean, that's not some, like, great asset. I can sign that guy any, any offseason at that number. So I, I don't get it. I, so I, I'm, not, I'm not going to accept the at-large Troy Weaver tanking criticism because I think it's absurd. And I think if the lotto balls had fallen, as well, basically, really any way other than that they did, uh, it was much more likely you'd get a top three pick than you'd get five, right? I mean, or you know, it's like close, not much more likely, but it's close. Like if you had anything but that worst case scenario, I mean, they they'd be looking great. This would be in a great position, but it didn't happen. So I'm not going to accept like the entire indictment of Troy Weaver, but. You still have to build a team. And, and, you know, if you say, oh, who would you have drafted? This stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. Like, Jaden Ivey, I, I, you know, I was fine with taking him. I, I didn't rip the pick. I did have, for one example, like Shaden Sharp higher on my board. But you look at the team and look, yeah, I'm not saying there's somebody I would have taken over him. But you got to look at the body of work. And I'm not going to sit here and grade every single move in a vacuum because the team doesn't play in a vacuum. The team plays together. You don't got five vacuums running around the court. You have a team, and I'm seeing a team with one shooter that can't do anything else and shouldn't be here in the first place and is not overpaid. That's what these guys get, but he's no bargain. And your core four, they can't shoot. And even if you extend that core to five or six on the depth chart, if you want to get Bagley and Wiseman in through the back door, they don't check the box either. So now, let's say I'm, I'm Tony Dombrowski, and I'm going to say, oh, okay, the sixth best guy on the Pistons I'm still going to clap for like a seal. 
that that guy can't shoot either. So even if I'm going with the most like, like liberal Tony Dombrowski uh, foaming at the mouth pro Pistons angle, I still can't get there. So you know I don't think the Nuggets are uh, a standard that we should really hold anybody to. Even NBA champions don't normally have six guys like at league average, four of whom well above league average. Like that's that's uncommon. But I can't be zero percent of the way there. I can't have my best guy be their seventh in that metric. And of course, there's more more to this game than three point shooting. But it's like again, there's no mid range game in Jalen Duran. Jaden Ivey tries on defense, got a little bit better, but he's a six four two guard. I mean, that's what he's gonna play. He's not gonna be the primary ball handler. Like, it's not like this is the one flaw these guys have, but it is a fatal flaw in this sport in this era. I don't know what they're doing. If like if this is the team, how do you get there? Because even if you even if one of these guys makes a big leap in the category and becomes a very good three-point shooter, none of them are average. They're all below average, objectively. Like by objective fact, they're below average. Even if one or two of them get to average, that's not gonna cut it either. It's like the Spencer Torkelson thing with the Tigers. Oh, he could improve. The guy could get 140 points better on his OPS, and it's still not good for the third first baseman ever taken first overall, the first righty, and the first one from the collegiate uh, ranks. (laughs) So, yeah, I agree he could get better. Do you think an 85 OPS point improvement is is a major improvement? Yeah, it is. Spencer Torkelson got 85 OPS points better. You know what he would be? Still bad. So, I, I, I mean, that's, that's where I got to be with this thing. I don't know where they go. And, and it always gets misconstrued into, oh, you're telling me they can't improve. Ah, like, at some point, you got to actually have something. You can't bank on everybody improving. Tigers fans, a lot of you guys did this. Even I fell into the trap once or twice for a bad afternoon or two. Oh, the pitching's bad now, but look, Matt Manning, Casey Mize, Tariq Skubal, all gone. Trying to come back. Skubal's on the door, but nothing. You got half of a good season out of like one of them. Oh, just wait. You know, the offense is, is all-time bad now, but yeah, just you wait. Torkelson, Green, going to set the world on fire. Tigers, years after these rationalizations and these cozy blankets you were throwing on yourselves. Dead last in the league and runs. Torkelson, a nightmare. Riley Green, solid when he was here. Hurt now. So you can't bake on that. You got to bring something to the party. I can't have four guys, and I'm hoping a couple of them can graduate to average in the three-point shooting category when it's one of the most important stats in the league right now. You know, you, you can debate where it ranks on the hierarchy. I don't think you're going to find a person with two marbles rolling around between their ears that knows anything about this sport that is going to argue that you're even a semi-viable team without at least two of your core guys average or better from that metric and from that standpoint. I don't know. I've defended this stuff. I've been behind it with Troy Weaver. I will defend to the grave what he did with this rebuild in terms of bottoming out, he got screwed. 
And no one got more screwed than we did because we've been waiting for this to get right a lot longer than Troy Weaver has. We got more miles on, on our cortisol meter. So I feel bad for this fan base. Um, I, I just I don't know where the, what the plan is. Because if all four of these guys are good, and I think all four of them have a chance to be good, and some already are, and if Cade Cunningham mixes in a chicken breast and a filet and some bacon and, and stays healthy and doesn't have his 14th joint hip ankle issue, I, I like the group. I, I like all four of them, especially the three I've, I've seen in uniform. I like these guys. I don't hate these guys. But you got to build a team. And I'm not even going to get into the Bagley-Wiseman stuff. I, uh, if you're going to take a chance on a guy that's been kind of a bust, maybe mix in a guy that like can shoot. Yeah, if, if we're taking flyers on guys, we got to start taking some flyers on guys that are a disaster in every other category, but at least at some point we're good shooters, like in college or something. I mean, you, dra- you have nobody on this team other than Bogdanovich, who's a role player that you can sign at that number any offseason. There's five of them out there. Like, you don't have anybody on this team that can shoot, and you drafted a guy that shot 29.8% from three in a league and not known for their defense. So I, I, you guys want to bank on projection and, oh, you're writing guys off? That's fine. No one is. But you know what? What other team in this league, certainly among the competent, solid, good ones, what other team is coming to the party without a single member of their top four guys, their core, that shoots even league average from three? I mean, this thing has worse spacing than an Ocean Gate submersive. There is no spacing with this current setup. I don't know how they're going to do it. I, this, is, this is an elbow-to-elbow roster construction. And if there's not a trade or some type of a move and, and that could completely blow all this up, I don't, I don't know where, where to land. And I'm curious where the fan base is on this. I can't wait for the deep dive into the reactions because I already, I know where a certain group of people are going to go. It's going to be, oh, you can't say anything bad at all. And I know there's going to be people that are more in my camp. I'm one of the few people that have dipped my toes into both pools. The Troy Weaver apologist pool and the, wait a minute, what's going on here pool. And I did say toe dip. I'm not skinny dipping, deep diving in the Troy Weaver sucks pool. I just have questions. Um, if they drafted some guy that I think was a non-prospect, then I'd be grilling the guy. Seems like they drafted a good guy. I, Thompson, smart people in the league and in scouting circles seem to think he's going to be pretty good. An athletic dude, a, a real high motor guy. I think he's going to be good. Not going to win any games like this. So you better hope at least two of the four. I mean, two of the four better figure it out. And really, Duran is like, Duran doesn't even count. I mean, who really sees Jalen Duran even really attempting to become a three-point shooter, let alone a good one? So I would argue you have to take him out of it. So you're not batting 500. You, you got to go two out of three. It's a big climb. They could all get like a little bit better and still not be nearly good enough. I don't know. So we'll, we'll see. And I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop with something Troy Weaver has surprised us before. Is this the first draft night where Troy Weaver hasn't like kind of gone viral and had all like the sunglass memes and all that, like the, the weird, you know, Troy Weaver's the man and Troy Weaver's playing 
chess and all that shit. I think this is like the first kind of boring Troy Weaver draft night where they took the guy that was their odds on favorite to be picked going in and didn't really do anything else. I, I don't know. I love, I love the setup, the execution. I don't know. And you can like that prospect. I like all four of these guys. What's the team going to do? How, do you, how are you going to win? You can't project everything. Someone's got to actually come to the party already good. And we don't have that in our core. The NBA champions, the champions of this league, had six guys better in that metric anyone in your core four they had six better than your best guy in your core how are you going to get there how are you going to close that gap you could add two you're still four shy of matching them you don't have to get to six you can't be at zero i would argue you can't be at one or two you want to go back to the warriors look at the warriors they have any good three-point shooters the year before Anyone good on that team? You can't do it. You can't do it. Someone's got to put the ball in the hole from the perimeter. I mean, certainly you're not relying on tomahawk dunks from Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. Ivey's an athlete. I don't think he's going to be powering through the lane. He'll come through like a bat out of hell. He's not a freight train. He's not Giannis, LeBron. He's not one of those guys. Kobe could get to the rack at will. He's not that guy. So you're not going to out-athlete everybody on on this team. You got some good ones, but it's not freakish elite level to where it's going to offset the lack of shooting. I'm more confused than anything. I'm not even mad. Like I said, I'd be mad if they drafted a, a, a dud. I don't think they did, but I don't see the plan here. And at some point, when are you going beyond asset collection? This, this just feels like a pile of, of stock pieces. It's like a, someone buying up stock where you're trying to draft, like, oh, this guy's got some things he'll do well, and then we're going to get this guy that was a, a bust in this. You know, he, he's been, we've been doing this for years. We brought in Okafor. <laughs> it's like, where's, the, where's the plan? I don't know. I'm looking forward to seeing where the coverage goes here. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. I'm looking to have James Edwards on. From the athletic, I know he's in New York for the draft right now. Maybe he has some answers. I don't. Uh, ben, I, uh, I'm going to need like a, a back rub from you, or or like you got to sing to me or something after this because um, I don't I don't feel good about it. I, I I just I'm as confused as ever, and as disoriented as ever when it comes to this version, this regime's handling of this team. And you hired a $10 million coach, and you can think of the world of him. The bottom line is, this guy told you no. He, he would have rather sat at home than, than your coach, and you had to circle back and make him an absurd offer that trumped what Phil Jackson got, even adjusted for inflation. He's the highest-paid coach of all time. You can like Monty Williams. I like Monty Williams. What is the move for him? okay, we're going to space the four and have a motion offense. It's, it's going to be the NBA version of Bobby Knight, just like in Phoenix. Phoenix had guys that could make the open shot. Multiple guys. You don't. You don't have one uh, in your core. I mean, if you're going to hang this whole thing on Bogdanovich, good luck with that. Because they're going to run him right off the line when it counts. And you're going to have that guy, while you have him out there, 
having to guard other guys in crunch time. Don't forget that aspect. You got to have guys that can make shots that are good in other areas too. That's why I'm focused on the core. You can always sign Bogdanovich for $19 million. That guy's always out there. There's always a 40% three-point shooter that if you pay him that much, you can get him. That's not an asset. That, that is going through the drive-through. That is a dime a dozen. An asset is a guy that can make that damn shot and do a bunch of other stuff well, and, and Bogdanovich ain't that. The guy is 34 years old, pushing 35. He's not a member of this core. He's not going to be here if this thing ever pans out. It's, I, I don't get it. I mean, they are so far away. They are so – I mean, they, they better hope two of those guys figure it out. That's all I got. Ben, uh, let, let's go uh, mourn in the corner and, and try to figure this out. Maybe you and I can powwow. I'm going to try to do a Piston show next week in terms of our guest. I'm working on that with uh, James Edwards right now. And, you know, I wish you guys well in figuring this out. Because if you can, good for you. I ain't got a clue. And I'm not tuning in the 97.1 for any answers because, I mean, I'm going to hear about how uh, LeBron James was the best Pistons draft pick of all time and how if only they had taken Antoine Walker third instead of fourth, they would have been better earlier in the early 2000s. I mean, I, I just I, I feel like I'm losing knowledge at this point listening to that show. So I, I'm not getting any answers there. Certainly not as it relates to the NBA draft, where Michael Carter-Williams, the guy that won Rookie of the Year, was apparently not only a Pistons draft pick, but was a Pistons draft bust. Disorienting night. Nothing makes sense. Spiro Avenue Show. We'll see you next week. Thanks.